Um, I'm Kathy. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I've been set free from addiction to drugs and alcohol. Um, I still suffer with codependency, anxiety a lot right now, um, <laughs> uh, depression, and um, a lot of other hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Hi. Um, I'm one of the leaders of Celebrate Recovery here at the Free Church. Um, I... As I said, I've been set free from addiction to drugs and alcohol, so I'm a leader because um, I want to help others learn to look to Christ in the midst of their hurts, habits, and hang-ups, and to build a healthy support system. But the reason I attend CR still is that even after being set free from those addictions, my life is still full of hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Jesus uses CR to heal those for me and for other people there. Um, CR is a Christ-centered 12-step recovery program for anyone struggling with hurts, habits, or hang-ups. It's unique in that it's not just for addicts or alcoholics, and that it is centered on Christ and the Word. In your bulletin, you each have some inserts. Um, you have the 12 steps, and then the biblical comparisons for those 12 steps, and the principles that Corey read, and you guys read the scriptures that go along with each of those that are based on the Beatitudes in Matthew. Um, the serenity prayer, I think, will be up on the screen at the end of the service, and we'll say that together. And um, there's information on the meeting on that insert as well that shows you the times. So um, those inserts, please feel free to hand out the insert with the times and stuff. Uh, either keep them for yourselves if you'll consider coming at some point or if you think you might need it down the road. Or feel free to hand those out to anybody that you know that you think may benefit from coming to Celebrate Recovery or at least knowing about it. Um, <clears throat> there's additional material in the foyer, so there's a wooden rack that has some yellow pamphlets, and each of those pamphlets has, they're some of the most common hurts, habits, and hang-ups that people struggle with that come to CR. And there's things like um, eating disorders, uh, pornography addiction, drug and alcohol addiction, of course, also codependency. Um, there are some, uh, a lot of celebrate recoveries that are really big have all different small groups for each of those at our Celebrate Recovery, because we're still small enough for now, we just have one small group for men and one for women. So all of those um, hurts, habits, and hang-ups meet together. So we wanted to give you a glimpse of some of what we do on a Thursday night. Uh, the general outline, like Corey mentioned, is that there's a meal at 5.30, and that is for everyone who comes, including children and anybody who prepared the meal or helped. Anybody who just wants to come to the meal can come. You don't have to come for the rest of the meeting if you just want to come and try out the meal first and get to know people, see if you're comfortable enough to stay. Um, <clears throat> after the meal, there's a large group, and that consists of reading those 12 steps or the eight principles that we read, and then worship, like we just did. Usually ours is a little bit louder, and I'm the only one singing, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> and uh, the, there's a teaching or testimony. They, those alternate. The teachings are on each of the 12 steps. The testimonies are from either people who are part of our meeting, or we have video testimonies that we watch from people around the world for, from Celebrate Recoveries. And then we end the, the large group in the serenity prayer. A uh, small group starts at 7 p.m. Again, you're welcome to come for any part of the night. So if you don't want to come and see a bunch of people and you don't want to visit with people, you don't want to be a part of the worship, you don't want to be a part of the testimony, then you can wait until 7 o'clock. Um, this is the time where men and women meet in separate groups. The men come upstairs and meet and the women meet downstairs in a room. Um, there is child care provided, by the way. They meet downstairs in the nursery. And so even if we don't have a volunteer, one of us ends up going in with the kids so that everybody else can have the night and the kids are taken care of. 
Uh, during small group, we pray, and then we introduce ourselves one at a time, and then we each have the opportunity to share for three to five minutes with absolutely no interruptions, no feedback, no book referrals, no psychiatrist referrals, no advice, and in this kind of world, we need three to five minutes once a week to share with no interruptions. Um, excuse me. So I'm gonna read the guidelines, which I don't have up here with me. Margie, do you have those with you? Oh, Pastor Dave has them, sorry. Nope, but that's okay. Okay, so guidelines for small group, the general idea of them, um, because we're not in small group, I don't have to read the big ones. Um, we keep our sharing, our thoughts, our sharing focused on our own thoughts and feelings, not someone else's. Um, that helps us keep focused on ourselves and we're not just talking about other people the entire time. Unless our sharing has to do with how we've affected somebody else's life or they've affected ours and how we can figure out how to help God or help have God help us deal with that. Um, there is no uh, crosstalk. Crosstalk, like I said, is when somebody would interrupt somebody else's sharing or offer a referral or offer their opinion on somebody's sharing. That's a rule that we don't have crosstalk in small group. Um, there is also no foul language. Um, even if somebody is getting really excited, it could be really offensive to somebody else that there be foul language, and so everybody follows that rule too. Um, I'm missing something. Confidentiality, actually, that's the most important small group guideline. It's the most important guideline of the entire evening. Um, anybody and everybody who comes, the group is confidential and anonymous. So if you come there and you're there for five seconds and you decide to leave, no one will say anything to anyone about you having been there. If you come for the whole night and you come every Thursday, no one will say anything about you having been there. Whatever you share in group stays in group. And if anybody is, um, if that ever were to be somebody was sharing something outside of group and one of the leaders like myself or Corey found out, then we have the responsibility to talk to that person and either they can stop sharing other people's information or they stop coming. And that has never happened, but that's just steps that we have just in case. Um, so we also need to ask if um, anybody would be willing to volunteer by either making a meal or doing childcare. If you're interested, you can contact me or Corey. Um, like I said, we have it taken care of. It's just that it would be, it makes everything easier and smoother if people do volunteer. Gail makes a meal once a month, and then we have another uh, member that makes a meal once a month or sometimes more often, and that really helps me. Otherwise, I make the meals. Um, but it's a great time to just fellowship with other believers. Um, so now we're gonna have uh, three of our members come up and have little testimonies that they have about uh, being a part of Celebrate Recovery. You can all three come up now. Come on. <laughs> and then after they share, Pastor Dave has a letter that he's gonna share uh, with, with us from one of the uh, people who had been attending and he moved. I'm gonna introduce you. Are you ready? Who's going first? And then clockwise, is that what we're? I'm just joking. Okay. All right. Well, thank you guys. And here's Brian. Got it? Uh -huh. Hi, my name's uh, Brian. Uh, I'm now a grateful believer in Jesus. I had a tough start to my life uh, growing up. I did not know Jesus. I was in and out of trouble with the law most of the time. I was upset and angry with my life. and My family was not doing well either. 
I was looking for friends who would accept me and care about me. I began to hang out with Gilbert and Juan Mandeville and their family. They welcomed me and uh, shared their food with me, and I felt comfortable being with them. Mark Lickley would come over to visit Gilbert and Juana on Sunday afternoons. They talked about God and prayed. Sometimes I was interested and sometimes not. Mark talked about an addiction recovery group he started and <clears throat> met at church with the people who he met through jail ministry. I wasn't, <clears throat> I wasn't so interested in going to church, but thought I might give this group a try. And since they sounded familiar parts of my life, I went and liked it because some of, uh, some of us had the same problems and situations in life. I did not say much, but most people talked about God and their lives and always helped them. Mark talked to me about <clears throat> a relationship with God's Son, Jesus. I thought about it, but didn't uh, understand it at all, but was interested. I came to the recovery group on Sunday afternoon, and it was just me and <clears throat> Mark. Mark asked me if I uh, thought about Jesus as my personal Savior since we last talked. I said yes, and then I wanted to be saved. He prayed the sinner's prayer, and I was accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. It was so simple, so easy. I, <clears throat> how could this be possible? My sins are forgiven, and I'm headed for heaven. I felt like a new person because I was born again in a spiritual way. I kept going to the recovery group on and off until I heard a new group was starting called Celebrate Recovery. I was not committed to going at first, but thought about it. When I did think about going, then the pa pandemic started and the group quit meeting. Mark kept stopping at my apartment checking on me and leaving notes on my door that he was thinking about me and praying for me and my daughter. I kept asking Mark when this Bible study group, Celebrate Recovery, was going to start meeting again. Mark told me when, and then I started attending. I really enjoyed it. It was like being with a family I didn't have. I felt welcomed, included, and part of the group. I started <clears throat> talking more and sharing what I've been through in life, and the people would pray for me. I started meeting with my new friends during the week for Bible studies. I started coming to church and bringing my daughter. The people at church love me and my daughter, Autumn. I really look forward to coming to church and celebrate recovery every week. I started coming to Sunday school to learn more about God. And a month and a half ago, August 28th, I was baptized. And it's a really good feeling inside again. Thank you. <laughs> I was able to show people that God has changed me, and it's wonderful. Now I want to live for God and tell other people about him. Thank you. Here's Juana. Um, hi, I'm Juanita. I'm a grateful uh, believer in, my, in God. Um, now he made me cry. <laughs> I've always been a big crier, though. Um, well, I've had my habits and hangups for about 30 years. Um, I've had a lot of death that's happened in, in my life. And um, I was not ready 
until about a year and a half ago when um, my daughter had came up to me and said, Mom, you have to live because of my alcoholism. It was killing me. So I told her I would. So I went into a facility, and, you know, I've always been a grateful believer. I've always knew, I've always had my faith through all the years. I knew he was holding me up, you know, as I walked down this dark path. But since I've um, gotten out of the facility, you know, I've, I've had that spiritual awakening, you know, and a dream I've had, all the ones I've lost come to me and tell me, and they took me on a little ride, which is my firstborn. He says, Mom, get in. I'm going to take you for a ride. And there, my, at the time, I really didn't know that it was my son, grown up. He was my firstborn. And he took me to see my father, my brother, my sister. And they just looked at me and said, it's going to be okay. You know, you go out there. And it's going to be okay. We're here and we're safe. Until since then, it's uh, been a blessing. You know, uh, my life has changed. Now I, in my heart, I know they're watching over me. So that's what I told him to let me down. And I have to walk and I have to grow and go down the path he set forth for me. And so that's why I'm here, Mark. And Tom Young had brought me here to celebrate recovery. And uh, here is where I celebrate, uh, you know, my recovery with the family of Celebrate Recovery. I am very thankful and grateful. And um, just like they say, it's not just for, you know, people with drug problems or, you know, just like me, um, you know, people with anxiety and, you know, and you know, depression and all that, and everybody's welcome. Even regardless, you don't have those, you know, habits or hang-ups, you know, you're just welcome to come and worship. And um, I haven't had the, you know, well, the they have do have dinners, and they always, I don't make the dinners, but I do make up the worship. I said, but when I walk to those doors, they always have a plate of food waiting for me, which I'm very grateful and with that, um, I will pass because I'm nervous and I won't stop crying if I keep talking. <laughs> Thank you. Um, my name is Rachel. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus. I'm a daughter of the one true king. What does that make me, Kathy? A princess. I have been set free. From bitterness, resentment, complaining, and ungratefulness, I struggle with anger, irritability, and performance-based identity. And before I get started, I just want to say that I am so honored to stand alongside of you guys. Um, <clears throat> I'm so honored. So, <clears throat> excuse me, I started attending CR a few months ago. Since then, I have shared with my friends and family and people within the church um, I like to tell people I'm, I guess, I'm a slightly outgoing person, so I'm usually always talking, and I like to tell people a lot about what's going on. And so I've shared with quite a few people throughout the last few months that I started attending CR. 
And I always get a curious look when I say, yeah, I'm going to CR. And people have asked, well, are you bringing meals? And, well, yeah, I'm bringing CR. Well, what else are you doing? I'm actually attending. <laughs> um, and I, um, I thought very similarly, actually. Um, I will confess that I had the same assumptions. Like, I am not worthy to go to celebrate recovery. I have not gone through a horrendous childhood. I have not been abused. I don't have these deep convictions. I don't have a, I don't feel worthy to go to celebrate recovery. And then um, I went and I felt, um, I felt at home. And um, I felt accepted and even though my struggles were potentially, you know, according to how we might rate struggles, maybe my struggles are not this high, but they're subtle and they're small and they chip and chip away. So um, yeah, with that, I'll just share a little bit about my, my testimony. So um, before I get started, there is a quote that I really um, feel like kind of indi indicates where I was at, and it's by C.S. Lewis, and it's found in the screw tape letters. It does not matter how small the sins are, provided that their cumulative effect is to edge the man away from the light and into the nothing. Murder is no better than cards if cards can do the trick. Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one. The gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without my milestones, and without signposts. This excerpt describes my story. Nothing large, nothing huge, but a slow drawing away into the nothing. I have struggled with anger, irritability, impatience, indifference, bitterness, resentment, discontentment, complaining, and deep insecurity. Anybody else? Before I was married, I didn't think I struggled with any of these things. <laughs> It was getting married and having three children and building a home that brought out the worst in me. Uh, so without that, I mean, with that, I still was very independent. And so I worked and I worked and I worked really hard. Um, out of my own strength, I tried to keep it all together. I had high expectations of myself. I couldn't bear not being able to be enough for my kids and for my husband and for myself. I strive for their acceptance and their approval. I had to prove to everyone and to no one that I could do this hard life off-grid in the woods with three kids. But life was hard. The life we chose was physically arduous, mentally numbing, and the kids were perpetually difficult. The slow, mundane, menial grind of married life with kids chipped away at my faith, chipped away at my motherhood, and chipped away at my marriage. A version of the screw tape letters I found um, from I found online, and it's 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 titled "The Screw Tape Letters for the Unappreciated Mom," and it goes like this: Along those lines, be sure the mother starts to value productivity above everything else. Have her wake up early and work nonstop until bedtime. If the husband relaxes in the evening with an hour of computer computer gaming, or in my case. Craigslist shopping? Be sure the wife notices the pile of unfolded laundry or the unswept floors beneath his feet. Do not let her grab a book and relax alongside her husband. Convince her that as long as there's a shred of work to be done, and there always is, no one should be resting. Then as she folds and sweeps and he sits, 
you can introduce the sweet bitterness of resentment. This was me. I read it aloud to Woody this week, and he just stared at me. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure that's where I'm at. That, that's exactly how I feel, um, how I felt towards my husband. I was re resentful, deeply resentful, pretty angry, basically always irritated towards my husband, towards my kids, and towards God. I did not feel blessed. I felt overworked, unappreciated, undervalued, along with feeling like a failure because I couldn't hold it all together. Um, and on to the kids, another little excerpt. Now on to the children, lovely little opportunities for us, the children, especially the little ones. We all know that children are a favorite tool of the enemy. Now he refers to the enemy as God, because this is screw tape talking to his nephew demon in training. He calls them blessings and gifts and calls parents to lay their lives down for them just as his son did. Insane, I know. We must convince her that the obnoxious little people she has charge of are not really worth her sacrifice. Instead, draw attention to how much they take from her and take and take and take and need and need and need until the mother feels totally spent. Let them start crying at the same time for the most irrational reasons. Let the noise bother her. Let their bad behavior surprise her. Do our best to make the day-to-day -day monotony of diaper changes, meals, baths seem simultaneously overwhelming and beneath her. Let her think of all the better, more important things she could be doing with her life if only she didn't have children. <clears throat> so I was walking in this darkness um, and the darkness, it didn't pull me into depression like it did others. My sin of choice was anger and blame. I would become so irritated and angry with the ones I love the most. I would become so mad at my children and my husband. I'd be, I was just so irritated and angry about everything. I would complain and blame, and I'd curse my life, and I'd be so frustrated over every little thing. I didn't have any grace. <clears throat> I'd become the worst version of myself, the antithesis of the likeness of Jesus. There are many moments I would just stare, at the win just stare out the window and wonder, how did I get here? I cried out to God to change my circumstance, change my husband, change my kids. Um, finally, to change me, take me out of the darkness. And for 10 years, nothing had changed. Just more kids, <laughs> more responsibilities, more needs, and less time. But then Jesus broke through. I took a week into the cities last winter. I'd gotten, I've got, I had gotten to a place with my kids that I could feel they didn't really want me around, and I didn't really want to be around. I had to escape. I had so much shame and guilt. I was so ashamed that I had exposed my kids to the type of childhood I had experienced. I desperately did not want to be that person and I become that I had become and I tried for 10 years on my own to change that and nothing worked. So I left in hopes to find something. Well, God's word is true and he generously rewards those who seek him. He might not come when you want him, but he's right on time. 
for any of you out there who like that song from a long time ago. Um, for me, it started with a faint whisper from God, and he reminded me of a verse in Isaiah that says, incline your ear and come to me so that your soul might live. From that place of darkness, he pursued me and called me back. For your maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer. He's called the God of all the earth. The Lord, he will call you back as if you were a wife, deserted, distressed in spirit. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. I have paid the price to set you free. He follows us into our darkest places. And he becomes the light that leads us home. He is the one who heals our waywardness and loves us freely. Hosea 2.14 Therefore I'm going to allure her. I will lead her into the desert and speak tenderly to her. I will betroth you to me forever. I will betroth you in righteousness and justice and love and compassion. I will betroth you in faithfulness and you will acknowledge me. Despite myself, the worst of sinners, wretched woman that I am, he wants to betroth me in faithfulness. He wants to betroth me in love and compassion. I am part of his treasured possession, and, I will never, and he will never stop seeking me out. He will summon me from afar, from the ends of the earth. There is nowhere I can go that his spirit is not with me. If I make my beds in the depth, his spirit is still with me. Because he has created me for his glory, and he has called me by name. But now this is what the Lord says. He who created, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You are mine. Since you are precious precious and honored in my sight, because I love you. Um, so I know that he calls me. And he names me, and I'm precious, and I'm honored, and I'm blameless, and I've been created for his glory, and I'm a daughter of the one true king. He has made me a co-heir. I've become a daughter. I am a daughter that belongs to it forever, where I can cry, Abba, Father, and Papa, hear me. My new identity is beloved. He has taken on my sin, my anger, my resentment, my bitterness, my ungratefulness, my performance-based identity, my fear of man, so that I could take on the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 2, uh, 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. He has sanctified me through and through and has made forever those who are perfect those who are being made holy. He has made perfect forever those who, have, who are being made holy. Jesus stands in my defense every time I fall short and pays the debt of my sin. He is my advocate to the Father. He has paid the price to set me free and I no longer stand condemned. I believe in the power of God to raise us from the dead and to present us holy in his sight, without blemish and free from accusation. He says to me, has no one accused you? Then neither do I. Leave your life a sin. He is the one who transforms us from glory to glory. And he wants us to be like him, revealing his likeness to the world. 
And I'm confident of this, that he who began a good work in me will carry it out until the end in Christ Jesus. And he who began a good work in you and you and you and all of us, he is the one who began that good work in us, and he will carry it out till the end in Christ Jesus. So he's our righteousness. He's the one fighting for us. He's the one equipping us. He's the one who is able to make all grace abound. And he's the one who makes us stand firm. To his own master, he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Romans 14, 4, and Exodus 14, 14. The Lord your God will fight for you. You need only be still. I need only to be still to remain, to abide, to rest in his love. If I remain in him and he remains in me, I will bear much fruit. So now I can pray and trust that he doesn't forget about me and he doesn't let me go and he doesn't give up on me. He said no one can snatch me out of his hands. He will not lose any, anyone that have been given to him and I've been given to him and he holds me firmly and he leads me gently and he loves me fiercely and remains in me always. And he's not done with me yet. He's not done with any of us yet. Confess your sins to one another so that you might be healed. So I still need accountability, support, and fellowship. And CR has become my family. I share my struggles and my praises. And I'm accepted right where I am. And I accept those right where they are. We are all broken and in desperate need of Jesus. And I encourage any of you who might struggle with brokenness, disappointment, depression, anger, anxiety, stress, hopelessness, abuse, trauma, insecurity, perfectionism, addictions, abuses, anything that inhibits you from becoming who you were created to be, come and share those struggles with us at CR. We love you already. Isaiah 55.3, listen, listen to me and eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul might live. Thank you. Thank you. This is a letter uh, from Bill Riley, who was one of the ones uh, uh, baptized uh, six weeks ago with Brian. <clears throat> He's moved to Wyoming. And I, this is an, a letter from him in response to my uh, letter asking him about his move and that sort of thing. This is part of the letter. He said, My dear friend Tommy, uh, Tom Young, brought me to your flock. He was my first sponsor at AA. At one point in our friendship, Tom and I decided we were co-sponsors. He had more sobriety under his belt and I had more miles under mine. He kept telling me to try CR and I kept resisting. I never completely let go of my belief in God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, but after being raised Catholic, I let go of my faith in any organized religion. So finally, I relented to Tom's gentle but persistent pressure to give CR a chance, just come to one meeting. So I went to my first meeting, not partaking in the meal. Okay, not bad. 
So kept going, skipping the meal part, really liked what was happening to me. So I started coming for the communion of sharing a meal. This is great, I said to myself. Started attending Sunday worship service. Okay, now I ask myself, what is happening? I feel the desire and need to be baptized and publicly welcome Jesus as my Savior. When I was under the water, and he wasn't under that long, okay? <laughs> just, just so you know. When I was under the water, I saw two faces, Tommy and Jared, smiling. I will tell you more about Jared later. He was a young man that was passed too soon for my liking. I, a lot like Tommy, completely devoted to Jesus. These two men, young enough to be my sons, found a way to bring me back to being a proud Christian. Our Lord does work in mysterious ways. Also want to thank you for shepherding a church that helped restore my faith. I'll stay in touch. I'm going to ask Jesse if I could log into Sunday service from Wyoming. That's great.